one. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Esports Podcast. My name is Chris Kidliquid Okamura, and I'm here with Cable and Pepitus. How's it going, Hello. fellas? Hey! Awesome, guys. Going good. So we're on episode two. It is uh, May 26, 2015. We have gone through two weeks of the LCS. We've gone through... Well, actually, LCS starts this weekend. We've gone through two weeks of the LCK and the LMS and the LPL, all that stuff. Uh, but we're going to start with where we ended off last time with uh, with some Counter-Strike. So we, we talked last week a little bit about Counter-Strike and how that's sort of a growing scene. Uh, Cable, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I Again, even this week, I was contacted by a local guy who... Uh, wants to put on a tournament at a land center and he's asking for my help and support and SoCal Esports, can you guys help us out getting sponsors or how can blah blah blah. So hey, you know, it's just more and more this is this is the way it was with StarCraft at the very beginning. That there was just so much fervor and excitement. And everybody wants to do a little event here and there. I mean this guy was me at that at that time. So I'm excited. I, I like it. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is though, like you're saying this is how StarCraft was at the front, but like CS:GO has been out since 2012. Like right. this is so interesting to me how this has just kind of exploded. That I don't know. Maybe one of you guys can shed the light cuz I don't actively play CS a lot. So I don't know uh if anything's changed in the game or if there's anything specific that's ignited this resurgence or this ground movement. So I truthfully I think this is uh, it's a little bit of the runoff of the MOBA dominance that we've seen for like the past four years. Like, think of, you know, whenever anyone said eSport, like the first thing was, it's either Dota or League of Legends. And people just got so used to it. I think they actually actively grew tired of it. They're like, you know what? I've seen these. What else is out there? Like, you had to be curious eventually. You don't sit in your nice little eSports bubble and say, League's the only thing I'm going to do for eternity. <laughs> it's yeah. just League and Dota. So a lot of people naturally got curious about things, and CSGO pops up as really kind of rank three in uh, in popularity. I think on Twitch now, it's actually ranking second now. Yeah, it's, it, be it's, it's beating out Dota. Yeah, it, it's beating out Dota uh, on Twitch viewership. And yeah, right now. Yeah, it, it's actively like getting there and getting there. The streaming has gotten better. If you actually look at the people who are top streamers on Twitch that are full-time streamers, you have your, like, slew of your, like, night blue I'm a cutie pies for League of Legends. But there is a large amount of streamers for CSGO that create a magnitude of content. Like, I'm talking guys that are average, or that have, like, subscriberships in the six to seven hundred thousands. Which is like, wow. you know, yeah, no, they are really, really strong. And there are a lot of them. And they come at all different varieties, you know, like uh, top just off pro level, like with Summit uh, with Summit G, who is a, an, an ex-pro that now streams full time. And a lot of them, they don't play just CSGO. Like they'll take time off and they'll play like DayZ or whatever other game they want to. But, you H1, know, for Z1. the majority of the time, they come back to it. So... There's a good amount of them. Also, uh, Gold Glove. Gold Glove also plays it. Uh, his fiance, I want to say, fiance girlfriend, uh, who's also another big streamer. I think her followership's in the like 500,000 range. 
uh, also plays CSGO. So there's just a huge CSGO community that streaming has finally caught up to it. ESL has done an amazing job bringing CSGO to the forefront. I don't think Valve's been as strong in support of CSGO as it has been for Dota. I think they, they see, you know, the blood in the water with Dota and they're like, okay, we can we can really make some money off of Dota. I don't think right. they've seen that with CSGO because it's kind of that pre-packaged good of, okay, we we sold you the main package, now we just, you know, keep you along for now. Um, but the, the work that ESL has done for CSGO is fantastic. And Europe, bar none, gets the award for keeping CSGO alive for a long time. Yeah. To now the point where other places are taking it in. Uh, the main question for me for CSGO is, will it really capture the Asian market? Uh, and I mean, we're talking Korea, Taiwan, China. Well, that's if the it, thing... That's the thing that was kind of weird about like 1.6 even is like 1.6 had such a huge following in Europe and Europe was known as like the the CS like hotbed. It still of, is. It yeah, still is. And it Let's still is. <laughs> no, it it still is, but I mean like CS 1.6 had a a pretty stable and long-standing relationship with esports for a long time and it's still and it, up until a, like a year or so ago it still had a pretty strong scene. Uh, all of them kind of moved over to CS:GO right now, but it it kept that without even a strong a strong Asian market uh, holding it up. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I hate to drag off while we're talking about CS:GO. That is where I see the opportunity in Overwatch. I'm sure we'll we'll cover that in some episode down the road. Um, but I'm I'm waiting to find the first real FPS title. That takes a hold of Asia. I think sure. that's going to be the FPS title that wins out overall. Because you, we have two very stagnated regions for FPS. In the United States, it's still very much COD. Uh, I COD think it's losing is, grip, though. It, it is losing grip. It yeah. is losing grip. I'm going to say, the war is you know going over to CSGO. It's going towards the PC Master Race, as I'm sure someone's thinking there. Like, <laughs> PC Master Race! Um, but yes... CSGO is taking a large foothold in the United States, but when you look at, you know, money spent, tournament size, viewership, United States only, uh, COD is still in the lead. And, you know, it's actually like a difference of platforms. Twitch, CSGO sure. is the main game. YouTube, it is still it is still a, a lot of Call of Duty. So, choose your platforms. Uh, but Europe has been, you know, CSGO headquarters. They're they're so good at it. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. the Swedish, you man. At, you look at TSM, like Team America and League of Legends. They're like, we we want to make a good CSGO team. Where do they go? They just pack Fly it. Fly over to Sweden. Yeah, they're like, eh, we need Swedes or, or Danes. <laughs> I, I can't remember which. I get it mixed up with CSGO. I'm like, I think it's Swedes. It, is TSM Swedes? Oh, oh, let me see. I'll look at it. Keep talking. Because I, I think, I know Ninjas in Pajamas is Swedish, but for some reason I think TSM's Danish. I could be wrong. There's somebody I'm sure Denmark. out there more qualified to say it. They're, they're yeah, Denmark. They're Danish. they're Danish. Yeah, they're yeah. Danish. Oh, nice. Woo! That's Very right. Well <laughs> yeah. But like everyone else is Swede. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else is Swedish. Like Fanatic Swedish and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, Fanatic Swedish, Ninja Pajamas Swedish, yeah. Very good, my uh, friend. Your, your CSGO and, and knowledge I mean, impresses me. Yeah, and European think, uh, uh, ge geography. 
<laughs> yeah, is Virtus Pro, I want to say they're Polish? Virtus Pro is German, or Polish, yeah, and they're Polish. Boom! Wow, oh, wow, that's impressive. Oh. He's on it, he is oh. on it. Oh, man, I am so good. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> and actually, I, you know what, I always pull for Polish teams when they're, when they're in this, uh, when they're in these competitions, Poland, not the greatest economical power in Europe, but they put some dedicated people into these teams. Like whenever, like when Rock Hat had its run, uh, shoot, who is before Rock Hat? Um, me, what, no, not in me. what game? And in League of Legends, there have been two like completely Polish teams that have played in the EU LCS. It was Meet uh, Your one Makers. One was Rock Hat. What? Was it Meet Your Makers? It was the original Meet Your Makers, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, each of them enjoyed their own little time in the sun, and I'm like, yeah, Polish team! <laughs> Your land has been conquered by so many people, but now you get to be a little resilient. And <laughs> then eventually it gives way. Sure, and, and so so let's get back on track here real quick, but the, the I will say on the, on the Overwatch topic, I think it, I think that really depends on the pricing model that, that, uh, that Blizzard chooses to go sure. with, whether it's free-to-play or anything like that. Free-to-play games catch on really, really quickly with uh, Korean markets especially, uh, and, and the Chinese market as well with the the way the I gotta PC... assume it's... Yeah, it's with the way the PC markets... Yeah. yeah, with the way the PC market, the PC cafe sort of scene happens in Asia, like, that's just gonna catch on like wildfire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. it's a Blizzard game. It means they auto-win China. It's True. like the passive for Blizzard now. <laughs> You are number one game in China on release. Yeah, because you're it's it's passive. It's I like the it's a passive. Yeah, uh, but no the uh, the thing with CS:GO that I think is kind of a reason why they've it's gotten it's it's I think it's the effect of uh, of sort of the, the effect that StarCraft Two had on on Brood War, where Brood War was uh, still around and still a huge scene in Korea. Mm -hmm. uh, Around you know for years after StarCraft 2's release, and then once uh, once people or once you know more sponsors started moving things over to StarCraft 2, uh, players started moving over to StarCraft 2, and the entire league started moving over to StarCraft 2, or just closing down. Uh, then as soon as you start losing that backing for CS 1.6, then you start going to go. Um, right. And and honestly, I don't think that it was a as much as an inferior game. I think it was just more of a a comfort level. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it's entirely like a Brood War to SE2 kind of a thing, but I think it's, it's more of like a, okay, let's just, let's just move on here. Like this is the next thing. Let's go, let's move. And yeah. I think they probably learned a little from Blood or from Brood War, Blood War, from Brood War to be honest, where it's like we can either have the super messy division or we can just take the logical evolutionary step and go. Sure, they can go over to go. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think, I think it's interesting. I think, I. Honestly, I think CS:GO, from what I've seen, it has it's it has a lot of potential in terms of a shooter. Personally, I still think the the shooter with the most potential that I've seen in a while was Shoot Mania. Uh, does anyone? Do you guys know about Shoot Mania? I I was really popular again uh, in the Asia markets, right? Yeah, it was um, a free to play FPS. It wasn't and... free to play. I think it was like I think it was like thirty bucks on Steam. Oh really? Berkeley? Yeah, um, or twenty or thirty—I can't remember. But I remember Wasn't paying. Wasn't MLG for it. gonna pick that up? Or I feel like oh, well, this IPL is years did. ago. IPL, IPL. That's that's why you like it. <laughs> IPL <laughs> did. Um, but like Dylan, Dylan, do you, do you know anything about Shoot Mania? 
I I do not. You you've hit my blind spot here. So okay. So dude, Shoot Mania was this game. It's the same people that made Track Mania, which is this racing game. Right, right. Um, I know Track Mania. And so Shoot Mania was their next project. And so it's a hyper. It's a hyper fast Twitch based shooter. Um, so think of it think like Unreal or anything like that with that kind of style of movement where it's a lot of jumping and a lot of quick movements and very Twitch based. Uh, but there's no weapon system. You have one. We have one weapon. Uh, that's like a arm cannon laser thing, and you have three charges. So you have three shots, and then it charges back up. So there's no reloading system or anything like that. Um, and so it's very precise. So two shots kill anywhere, one shot headshot, and that's it. And everything else is all movement based. Um, huh. And so there's you know there's charges on sprint, there's charges on jumping. Uh, you can double jump, or you can just one hyper jump, which is a little slower to land, stuff like that. Like it's just, there's so much depth to that game. Uh, and you know the great level design and a lot of community-based level design as well. So they have full open sourcing on their level on their map editor, so you can go ahead and make maps. And that that game was absolutely insane. Um, the game mode that IPL picked up, which I thought was really cool, was a uh, it was like a cap think of it like capture the flag kind of a thing, but it was defense and offense, where one you had three players defending and then one player from each team or one player from the opposing team would try to rush the base so they could either take out all three people or go and touch the flag um they didn't need to bring it back in the thing but they just needed to touch the point oh, and then they okay. would score and then and then it would rotate to all three players so they play three rounds of de- offense three rounds of defense right. and so it was just it was a three-on-one kind of a thing where it's really interesting in that way yeah um and so there's a lot of strategy to it and a lot of depth to it because there's a lot of ways you can go around it and a lot of positioning for the other to the defending team and stuff like that. It's really, really interesting to kind of take a look at. Um, yeah. So if, if you can actually search it up too. If you go ahead and search on YouTube for IPL Shoot Mania, there's a lot of great highlights on there. Um, but yeah, I highly suggest going out and, and checking that out. It still has a really, really great community. Uh, but after IPL went down, no one's really picked back, that game back up and kind of lost all yeah. of the steam. Now, I I do want to actually talk about a point while we're covering CSGO, and (laughs) this is one of the things you're you're probably not going to hear unless you talk to someone that's really done extensive marketing. And this is one of the reasons why shooters do not get uh, the same level of investment as, say, a MOBA does. Yes, I think I know where you're going. Right. Is it the gun topic? The the guns and violence topic. It's actually something we don't talk about a lot in esports, but it's it's important. So a lot of people look at what are called, uh, you know, non-endemic sponsors. So these are the sponsors that aren't actively trying to sell you like RAM, gaming peripherals. So think, you know, your old spices, your even to some degree HTC phones as they did it, yeah. or the a company like Coca-Cola, Red Bull, uh, Pepsi. So one of the problems they have with shooters is the fact that it's not brand values to do harm to others. You can get away with it in MOBAs uh-huh. because it's very cartoonish levels of violence. Uh, you don't really have blood pooling unless you have like Vladimir, but even then that's like a, it's a side <laughs> case. It's not, you know, right. blood and guts pulling. Whereas you take a game like Counter-Strike, it's very imitatable real violence. Yeah. You're talking about sure. the real guns. You're talking about human beings. You're talking about you know, thinks that's very objectionable content uh, to some people, you know, to to the players and its active fan base. It's something they don't really recognize. It's something, oh, it's a shooter game. This is what you do in a shooter game. 
But you take a 40, 50-year-old, someone who is an executive at one of right. these companies, and they're like, I'm not sponsoring people to shoot other people. That's, right. you know, that's not what I want my brand to be represented from. And it's one of the active hurdles that the FPS game and environment has to work through. And yeah. it's it, it's sad uh, in my mind because there are great communities. There are communities that deserve the sponsorship level that you get with other games that that should have the investment. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, Call of Duty has, you know, Mountain Dew, but that's for their prepackaged good. They'll, they'll sell the package because that helps sell the product. But at the end of the day, they aren't, you know, actively there with MLG every single step of the way. Red Bull stepping up, I think, is great. Red Bull has one of the few chances to be there because they have a very unique brand value set from mm -hmm. anyone else. They're active. They're edgy. They're on the line of, you know, what you think a brand should be. And they can play there. So they're, yeah, same with um, Monster, right? Yeah, them and Monster. They can walk this line. And even then, they have to be careful. Because they have to tell the story that's energetic, that's, you know, the positives, the teamwork, the hard work. That's what they can sell, but they can't sell the violence. And, the kidney stones. Yeah, well, <laughs> they, they can't, like... Think of the words you have to use with an FPS game, which is yeah. like frag, kill, headshot. Those aren't words that are positive. Those aren't words that you think, oh, this will sell my product. Nothing says cool and frosty beverage like headshot. Right. And <laughs> it's, it, it's a hurdle for them to overcome. Sure. Yeah, and I would tend to agree from, from the community perspective as well. You know, we do viewing parties in bars. And uh, we work with, like, for instance, high school Star League, right? These mm -hmm. Neither of those places are going to ever feature an FPS. They just plain won't because, like you said, somebody walks into a bar and sees a shooter game on the big projector screen. If they're non-endemic to gaming, if they're not a gamer, they're going to walk out the door immediately, most of them, unless they're a bro or unless they have friends in the military who are really into strategy or there there's a subset of people who will but the majority of your families or normal sports fans who come in to the restaurant they're going to walk out and they're going to complain they're going to call the manager they're going to call corporate office and say why are you showing shooting people and blood and people dying on the big screen this is not what i come in for a relaxing evening for yeah, um, I, if you've ever heard of the mother groups in korea which is this active lobbying group in Korea that's yeah. super anti-violence. Uh, I learned this with packaging last year, that you can't show characters with weapons on packaging right. in Korea because these mother groups will actively lobby to get your product off shelves. Yeah. Uh, and Starcraft I mean, imagine... had to have a disclaimer, right, of yeah. violence. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even with like cartoony characters, like say League of Legends, where, you know, some of the weapons don't even look like weapons. You still have to avoid it in, at all. So now imagine taking Counter-Strike Go, where your only characters are carrying like an, an AK-47. And that's a, that's a heart attack waiting to happen for some poor Korean mother. Yeah. And all this said, you know, it's, it is unfortunate. But at the same time, it's understandable. And 
maybe it should be this way. Maybe we shouldn't be emphasizing shooting violence of people too much to young people who don't have the maturity to handle it property properly. So maybe yep. there should be a maturity level ca- or a floor, I guess, to this of of <laughs> the people who should be involved. Sure, and and I think going off all that stuff, I besides the more you know political side of things and the business side of things, just the the stigma of the communities that that FPSs kind of create. Just the Another stigma. Good point. Just the stigma of like you know when you think of Call of Duty, what do you think of? You think of the thirteen year old kid cussing up a storm on his on his Xbox Live headset. You know, I mean? you know, it's it's funny. I have that image for like Call of Duty. I think if I if I hop on Xbox Live right now and play a Call of Duty game, I'm gonna get cursed go. out by some some super nasal kid who's 15. <laughs> that is going to beat. I don't have that for CS:GO. I really yeah. don't. No. Uh, yes and no. You run into it for sure. But I had a conversation actually with some FPS guys. They were old Halo guys. They dabbled in Call of Duty. They dabbled in CS:GO, and they were against the realism that's coming into shooters so much. And that's why they don't like a lot of these, like, Call of Duty. Is every, There's a lot of sales potential to the realism. Oh, this is modern warfare, right? This is the way it really is. We can be like it is in the army. But this is a video game. We don't necessarily want realism in every video game. We, want, we don't want to die to one shot all the time. Right, like yeah. in the real world, you get shot once in the chest, you're dead. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you have you have bulletproof vest, or you get shot in the knees, you can kind of hobble around and shoot. Okay, but again, we're starting to get into really weird realism things. That do we really want that in our video games that we play? Versus Halo, <laughs> you're this armored soldier, and you're having you know you have shields and you have super jumps and you have so there's there's differences there okay so hold on i'm gonna talk about something really quick going off that point of super realistic games did you guys play for the playstation one bushido blade no because that is the greatest game that never took off ever well okay i guess they made bushido blade one and two but think of think of this okay it's a fighting game where you're playing with weapons right you have your main guy the main guy of the character this character is is a samurai right then you have guys that have nunchucks or like pole arms or spears, stuff like that. And it's the it's a super realistic fighting game. So you have you have attacks that hit low or high or lunge or anything like that. If I cut off your arm, you can't lose your arm. If I cut off your leg, you limp around. And if I stab you once, you're dead. That's it. And you bleed yeah, out. Yeah, eventually you bleed out too. So like if, if I cut you in the arm and you're bleeding, you will eventually bleed out if I can just run around. Wow. That sounds exactly what I want, except for a Star Wars version. Right? But dude, that game... Could you imagine that game as an eSport? The mind games that you would play in that game are absolutely insane. It is pretty cool. <laughs> and that shows that realism sells for a reason. Yeah. You, yeah. you pro- proclaim these realistic ideas in the game, and we're like, man, that sounds really fun. I would really... Because your brain can attach to it easier, right? True. You are used to these things. You can strategize over these things. You have thought about these things kind of before. When you're a little kid, right, and you hit somebody with your fake wooden sword, and you say, "Oh, your arm," and yeah. you put your arm behind your back or yeah. your knee, you, so you start limping on one leg. Yeah, <laughs> larping exactly. <laughs> so I understand it, but at the same time, do we always need it? Sometimes it is nice to have the cartoony. Sometimes it is nice to have the f- futuristic, fantastical. 
Very much so, and I think I think that's why you're starting to see. That's why we. That's why IPL was went with shoot mania because that game wasn't with guns. It was it had lasers. Yeah. You were aliens. You were robots. Um, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's one of the funny things when I told my dad I wanted to work in gaming, he said, well, if you're going to work in gaming, do one thing for me over the entire time you're there, advocate for less violence in games. Yeah. And that's really hard because the the thing that sells games is is violence. So, I mean, you know, it's it's always going to be a fight because that's, that's what sells. It's what sells movies. Like, I mean, this is not something that's just video games. It's not like violence is the only present in video games. It's present everywhere. But finding a way to maybe at least take away the the realism of the violence, to to find ways to lessen the importance of the violence, maybe that is something we need to focus on. Yeah, I I personally think so. I don't play a lot of I don't play a lot of rated M games that are hyper realistic violence. For that very fact, I don't need to expose myself to it. It uh, doesn't make sense to me personally, nor do most of my friends get into that kind of thing. Not that that's wrong for anybody else to do, but that's just my personal preference. And so CSGO, I understand, and I, I enjoy CSGO. I think it's a fun game. Uh, Call of Duty, I that's that's over my line. I don't really get into it. Halo, I love Halo. Or... Um, Man, uh, Jedi Knight, right? Uh, well, anything Star Wars, yeah. you got me. But <laughs> <laughs> again, it's the anti-realism in yeah. Star Wars. There's so much fantasy in Star Wars. There's shields. It's there's lightsabers. Fun. There's force powers. There's repeaters. There's all kinds yeah. of jetpacks, and that's the kind of stuff I feel like we need. Yeah, it's 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 the the line of fun over realism, or fun over you know over uh, yeah, I guess realism is the best way to put it. Don't um, get me started on Star Star Wars esports, man. Oh yeah, no, we're gonna go. Oh, we're gonna go deep deep into this once we start talking about Battlefront later in a couple of weeks. But yeah. Um, so so let's let's move on. Let's switch topics really quickly. We're gonna go something a little more lighthearted. Uh, so a couple of weeks <laughs> ago, or I guess a week ago or so, uh, Reddit r slash uh, League of Legends was talking about joking, or I guess more of in a joking kind of a matter, uh, talking about starting or buying a challenger team, crowdfunding and everything like that. The power of Reddit, so to speak. Uh, you know, taking name, name suggestions. I guess, I think the name they came up with was eventually uh, "Winner Benched." Was the was the name they came up with? Or uh, Dank Bean Gaming. It, it was a really yeah. two horse race. Yeah, there was a two horse race between there, and then uh, apparently uh, started getting real actual players. So they got Shorter Ace and uh, I'm a Cutie Pie to agree to be on this team. Uh, and then eventually, you know, the community started kind of collapsing within itself, saying this is a bad idea. And then eventually, the idea just kind of died out. Um. Uh, thoughts or opinions on this, guys? I mean, like, the power of Reddit is strong, but is this even a good idea? Should they even do this? Like, I know they didn't, but, I mean, how bad would this have been? I followed it loosely, and, okay, I also watched the entirety of the blog, uh, the vlog from Esports Law. Yeah. Um, in theory, it could be awesome. It could really be awesome. In practical application, with Reddit as the as the facilitating... Uh, what is this medium and with the redditors you you have no guarantee of who they are or what they stand for or how many of these redditors are the same person yeah in, in practical application that is not going to work <laughs> it, it and it, it, it evidenced itself i i wonder what would have come of it if the original poster who kind of started going off on it was a little more reasonable or experienced 
because it seemed like the degradation of the whole thing came from his lack of experience, came from his uh, inability to have meaningful conversations with other people who were interested in the project. And it just all sloped down from there. I think it maybe could have lasted a little bit longer, maybe got a little more steam with somebody more competent at the helm from the very beginning. Doesn't mean that it wouldn't have degraded eventually anyways again, though. Yeah, yeah I, I think the biggest thing is the uh, the crowdfunding idea or the, the idea of like where this funding would come from. I know the power of Reddit's strong, but I mean, once you have people start putting their own money into something, you start getting like the Kickstarter effect where they feel like this is... You know, every, well, it essentially is. Everyone is partially an owner uh, once you start putting their money into it. And so it's not, it, you start getting a lot of opinion, especially with Reddit. That's, you know, thousands and thousands of opinions. Uh, and 686,000 opinions. Yeah, that's a lot of opinions. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. I mean, let's, let's make one thing clear. When you crowdfund, you are not an owner. No. You have no right. ownership. But the you... idea that people have in their heads is that they are. Yeah, right. that's. So and that's where you get the, the trouble. If, if you're looking at a model like this, there's really one organization you can actually look at that's a trusted sports organization. You look at the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's the what Green Bay about. Packers are a publicly traded commodity for ownership. So Within the I'm city a, of Green Bay. No, uh, anyone can own them. I'm a part owner of the Green Bay Packers. I have one share of the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Do you really? Yes, of course I do. I'm a Packers fan. <laughs> Fun fact of the day, folks. Fun there is something the more tied to the locality of Wisconsin, though, isn't there? Uh, I think there's a little right, bit so more. The, the, the vast majority of the ownership is the is the city of Green Bay, Wisconsin. But the the fact goes that you can still buy a share. Right. Like it, it's a traded commodity. People are always selling. They do cost a bit nowadays. It's not like buying oh, you know, a fifteen twenty dollars stock. It, it's more like you're buying someone's like family possession. So, you know, know your price ranges. Uh, but the way it works is the fact that there are shareholders. And, you know, shareholders hold a voice. But, right. you know, your voice is it's proportional to how much you actually own of the team. So right. there is a vast majority owned with a small subgroup, which, you know, you could call an owner. That they are many owners. It's an ownership group, but they hire a coach, they hire a general manager, and those are the people that take care of the day to day. Now, does everyone who owns a share of the Packers get to say, "Oh, I'm benching that left tackle for the uh, for his understudy"? Heavens, no! That is an awful idea. That is right. the absolute worst idea possible. You're not going to build a cohesive unit. Throwing pieces in and out each day. I mean, yes, you could potentially, potentially, let's say you build this fear factor in the players that, oh, if I don't perform at my best, I'm going to be benched, so let's, you know, binge practice. But let's remember, pressure is a double-edged sword. Yeah, Pressure can refine you into a diamond, or it can crumble you into powder. Which way you compress is, you know, something that takes cajoling, it takes careful watch from a coach and a great staff and hopefully a good ownership group that's going to invest in you having the right equipment the li the right living space so just saying we're going to put everyone on the line of starting or benching and saying <laughs> this is going to make you a better player it it's absolutely ridiculous uh it takes a steady hand it takes people that know what they're doing 
I, I mean, we've seen this. Like, we talk about teams saying, you need a better coaching staff. You need a better infrastructure. And everybody's like, oh, if we magically throw money at this, it'll appear. That's how these things work. Yeah. And no, you don't buy this at Walmart. You carefully search. <laughs> you take time. You take effort into to building the right team. You get the right ownership group who's going to have the right level of interaction with the players. It's a whole long process. Don't think that, you know, the power of crowdfunded money can make anything that's really worth value uh, right. when the right people aren't involved. Absolutely. Sure. And and there... just, just speaking from personal experience, so when, when Call Gaming was in the... Uh, when we made it into the Challenger scene last split uh or a couple splits ago right that was at a time where i had to, i had a ton of experience i've had a ton of experience in esports and, and managing teams and working with players and uh and being a coach and being a manager and i've i've i'm comfortable in that role um but that was sort of the biggest stage that i had been placed on in a while and so having you know not only people that were invested so like uh people like cable that was you know uh, SoCal Esports was a sponsor of ours. Cable giving me advice of what what I should maybe do, or you know things that I should maybe work on. Uh, my partner as well giving giving some advice and things like that, as well as everyone that just cared about me, that wanted me to do well and succeed. Uh, giving giving their own input of like you know how they felt or what you know what was going wrong, what was going right, things like that. Friends, family, things like that. Uh, that's a lot of input, and the and for me being experienced, even I was a little stressed out or overwhelmed by the amount of. Uh, input that was being flooded into me at the time because it was within a couple of weeks and that's a lot of things to process a lot of things that like you know i don't really want to do this but is it right for the team is it right for this you know you know and and that's maybe what 30 to 40 people giving me input um and people that yeah. generally that that are my friends that are that generally care about me and care about my success and the team's success right now you're going to ahead putting someone that doesn't have nearly as much experience as i had at the time and then having potentially 600,000 people giving input no way that yeah. is absolutely yeah. insane i think again the esports law guy said it right that if this was some kind of community leader or a popular streamer or say i'm a cutie pie or night blue or one of these big top name streamers came in and said i want to do this he would get the funding because he just has the name he has the voice he has the celebrity sure. he may have the experience he may have the context he may have the strategy to actually execute this. Um, you have some dangers involved there too because he knows how to manipulate the system a little bit. He knows how to manipulate people a little bit, right? Like how do you think he gets so many donations? It's not because he's a manipulator, quote unquote, but he knows how to be a public figure such that you get a lot of donations. Yeah. Uh, not picking either one of these two guys out. I'm saying a, a popular streamer in general. Sure. So but I think I think that's a talent as well. I don't think it's them manipulating. I think it's a manipulation thing. But right, I think it's a very course. it's a talent kind of a thing. That you gotta be of a talented course. person. They, to be des able to do they that. deserve the donations. I'm not saying anything negative about the streamers. Sure. I'm just saying that they know how. It's it's a again a two edged sword. So if someone like that were the pioneer of this topic, it maybe could have happened, and it would have been interesting to follow. And the best model would have been like the Green Bay Packers, where you where everybody has a share. And every share has a vote, but the people who own the most shares obviously have the most say in the votes. And uh, I think, again, the esports law guy said that, that you have like a board of directors of, say, maybe seven members. And 
the top two members are top two donators are guaranteed board spots. And then the next four are pulled from the top 15 who top other 15 donators who would have to submit applications, video qualifications. They'd have to go through screening processes and interviews, and they would be picked by the rest of the crowd. That becomes a popularity contest, not so much a qualifications contest. Um, there's a lot of problems with it. But at the end of the day, even if it was put on by a more legitimate starter, the problems that you mention about everybody, the whole crowd, Reddit crowd, wanting to bench somebody or upheavals starting and top Reddit threads starting, I didn't get my this because of that and this manager is a bad manager, let's bench him. It It's very problematic. Sure. And the thing is that it works well as a joke or as something that's funny or, or maybe even a community right. thing. But like, you're talking about people's livelihoods here. If you're benching people and starting them and yeah. like that, that's not, <laughs> it's not going to work out. A few examples of this that actually have gone through similarly. I remember in StarCraft a while back, Crank? we got uh, Crank and Marine King. Remember? Yeah. Marine, Marine King, King with Prime... IPL. Right. Yeah, Marine um, King to IPL because... and Crank to MLG, right? Yeah. And those were positive. So what the community has to understand when they're going into these things is they're just going into it for their own pleasure. They're sure. paying for something that they enjoy. Don't expect a return back out of it. Don't expect to say in what hotel room that Marine King picks or what <laughs> taxi cab he chooses. These are like yeah. minuscule details. But as so long as they understand that. I remember even my, my father, when I first started getting into esports, he said, just remember that you could either spend thousands of dollars playing golf or you might spend thousands of dollars on esports, even if you're trying to make it into a business. So remember that this is your hobby at first sure. and foremost, and you need to enjoy this. Yeah. Whether or not you make a return on the investment, remember it's your hobby and enjoy what you're doing. And so again, if these people are like, okay, even the, the Dogecoin sponsoring the NASCAR thing, I think that was given <laughs> as an example. That was awesome. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Amazing crowdfunding initiative. But they all knew they were just getting a kick out of it. Yeah. They didn't think they were getting something or return or anything back out of it. It was just, this is hilarious to see a Dogecoin logo on a NASCAR car. Yeah. yeah. That's funny to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I now, think. I, I oh, do want to do one public statement here. Kids, never give people on the internet your money. Yeah. Never do it. So Unless is, it's through this, a company. Yeah, if if there's a company and someone you can directly sue, make sure that you have the right to get this money back in some way, shape, or form. Because uh, this was one of the things when the guy said, oh, I'm going to start crowdfunding for this team, that meant there was a large pool of money that was going to a person. Yeah. It was in his name. That money would have been in his name. Unless he says, give money to this LLC that I do not have ownership of, yeah. or that is, you know, held by an arbiter, you know, just make sure that it's not going to a person. Because when you're handing money over to a person on the internet, there's no guarantee that money's doing what you think it is. Sure. Yeah, we've absolutely seen that in esports, too. Again, coming from the StarCraft community, there's more than a few broken promises, oh, right? Yeah. Well, every community. I think there's not an esports community alive that hasn't had issues with money. Um, yeah. But uh, but I will say though. So Reddit got rid of that idea, uh, and then they started to sort of think about maybe even buying or like sponsoring an existing team. 
So like if they if they all of a sudden sponsored Unicorns of Love, right? So Unicorns they became the official sponsor of Unicorns of Love and they became uh the Reddit team. Like I think that would work. I think that'd be kinda cool. Why? Um, Explain. I I just think that it, it's sort of the thing where it's the Unicorns of Love has this huge fan base already. But I mean imagine if all of, it's an official Reddit team. Like you're being funded by a community. Um, you're spo- you're not sponsored by a big corporation, by a big you know money maker. You're sponsored by a a, a, a community that wants to ha- that wants to see you guys succeed and help. Um, I think as that's a cool. team owner, as a team manager, explain to me the logistics of how that works. Of what? How? Uh, like, how so would it's kind of like what happened prime with sponsor? Well, it's prime it's like owner. the thing. It's like the thing that happened with Rocket or uh, was it Rocket? Yeah. So what what's the what's the name that Rocket always goes back to? Um. When they when they when they're not in the LCS and they go back to being like a challenger team, uh, was... Tides Millennia Dea the KMD KMD right okay hold on uh is it is it that I'm not sure I it's something Polish that I'm looking I it up not... right now. Uh, they go back to being whatever they're not. Wait, no whatever okay oh yeah okay you're right so KM, KMT. Uh, so, uh, so again. So can't so can't so they they go back to that name over and over again, right? So it's like if uh, we'll we'll use the call gaming example again, right? So I'll go with call gaming, right? So we're call gaming, we're in the challenger team. We get to the LCS. All of a sudden, we have all kinds of companies ready to give us money to put their name on our on our team, right? So you have minor sponsors. You have like you know you have HTC, you have Razer, you have all this stuff that just wants a patch on there, right? Then for a majority amount of money, or you can discuss it contractually or whatever, um, that they're gonna that some company is gonna go ahead. So we'll say SoCal Esports is gonna go ahead and then pay uh, a portion of sal- or is gonna pay a salary and regularly pay our players to go ahead and play for this team. So it works in that way. So uh, I become more of a majority owner, uh, and then you know maybe I'll own forty percent of the team. Uh, and then the sponsor will own about 60%. And then we'll mutually make decisions together. Of course, you'll have a little more say because you'll have the money involved. Um, but then you'll you'll go ahead and just, you know, you'll you'll your big thing is you'll have the team in there. Um, so it will be Team SoCal Esports rather than Call Gaming. Yeah, but with Reddit, how does that work? Because it's not going to be official sure. Reddit, the company. It's going to be r slash League of Legends. It's not going to yeah. be, I mean, you'll call it the Reddit team, but it's... Yeah, slash yeah. R slash Red League of Legends, sure. which is the community of six hundred ninety thousand people. Sure. How um, do what what do they get out of it, and how do they logistically help with the team's operations? Do they get sure. any say? Because it, it well, kind of goes back to yeah. The same. I mean, I think I think once you get back to going like that, like I've seen teams too that have that where the main sponsor doesn't really have much say in in part of the team. They just want them to keep six. Like they'll put pressure to succeed. Um. But they won't have any say in the day-to-day operations of what's going on and happening. Uh, and I think that that would work well in, in the idea of if you have someone really experienced in there. Like if you have, uh, you know, Reginald with TSM. Like you know, you have someone that's been doing it for a while that has that can stand up to community pressure and not really care. You know, you have someone that's that's going to be strong-willed and stick to their decisions and, and really do what's best for the team in their own opinions. Uh, I think that's going to go ahead and help in the long run with that stuff. But I think that having an established brand already and a team together, um, and then they're just going going ahead and giving money to the team, I don't really see a problem with that. 
But um, let me let me ask this question from the fan experience. Why is this better than me buying a product from that team? So the way a lot of teams get funding right now is they sell their own merchandise. If yeah. I want to support Unicorns of Love, I buy a Unicorns of Love sure. hoodie. Guess what? They not only got my money. I'm I'm sponsoring them. They, uh, you know, it's not a name <laughs> that I'm going to see, but I know that my money has gone to sponsor them, and then I have received a product from them in return that I enjoy. Sure. Is any level of doing this gross sponsorship going to give the user the same end kind of why why as dylan getting a nice product sure dylan why do you own a share of the green bay packers because that is literally like the highest honor a packers fan can have i can be buried with that sure but and that's at the, but that's at, bingo at the end to... of time it's going to be etched into my grave sure uh, but grave but what if what if you're a what if, share of the Packers. what if that level of devotion comes from being right. a part of that Reddit community and you love being a part of the Reddit League of Legends community and you now own a share of that team that's something that you've all collectively worked together to be a part of? It's the same kind of idea. It's not to the extent, of course, but I'm saying it's the same idea, the same concept. Yeah, there's two things specifically. There's pride of ownership and then there's fulfillment. Fulfillment of the process, like Chris said, of getting to that level of oh my gosh we made it they're wearing our jersey on stage and we helped with that and i upvoted that specific design right? yeah like you know, i upvoted I yeah could you could you dive, no but I like upvoted. could you could you ima- could you imagine though if you if we if reddit did sponsor a team you everyone would come with a with a design a, a jersey design and then the, that stuff gets upvoted and it gets you know okay that's the official jersey of reddit there you go like there's there's something to be said for your idea and I just think the logistics of it, again, going back to what I said, is that you, the community just needs to know they're, get, it's a, they're getting a kick out of it, sure. and that's all it is. But, but I, my, my yeah. thing is, I don't think it's a good idea. I just think that that would be a better idea than starting and owning oh. their own team. Oh, no. by far. By far. I, that's, that, that was my big thing. And I think if it happened, like I would, I would get a kick out of seeing the, the Reddit alien. I would get re- on the LCS stage, just like as a logo, I would get super yeah. jacked for that. I'm sure that the Reddit company, the actual one that makes money off of their website, would get a great kick out of it, too. Yeah, I think they would, too. Because it's free advertising <laughs> for them. Yeah. Yeah. Unless the subreddit, of course, tried to put the most phallic logo possible onto an LCS jersey. Which I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny that Reddit would try to do that. <laughs> They would stick. They'd stick uh, Illuminati symbols on there. They'd stick. Oh, yeah. stick eight-bit glasses. It'd be pretty amazing. But uh, so everywhere, doughs on the back. Oh. I I think one of the best ideas. Okay, so Chris thinks that the the team sponsored it would be interesting. I actually think one of the better ideas that came out of it, to which some guy made a highly sarcastic post that got a lot of upvotes, but I thought he was a jerk and an idiot for posting it. My personal recommendation, but um, was the tournament. Yeah, I, I think, think that's cool. So one of the things that I stand for a lot is the pathway to the pros. And coming from the StarCraft community into the League community, even the CSGO and Dota, the pathway to the pros is very, how do you get there? You either have to just be an amazing solo queue star with an incredible personality and know people, or you just kind of luck your way into it. 
or or you just know people is is pretty much the way that the original scene started for League of Legends. The original scene started for StarCraft. These people kind of had skill. They were in the top 15% of the players, but they knew people who knew people. So what if I don't know anybody, but I just really want to be a pro player? That's that's always been my my goal for SoCal Esports is how do we make a pro M scene? How do we make a pathway to the pros for local stars? In the same way, Reddit as a community, if they wanted to do something positive for the community, positive for players, is provide a true pathway. Um, maybe do a 1v1s tournament and take the top five people. Or do five, five 1v1s tournaments and the five winners all put them together on a team and figure out how to make it work. I, there's some way that you could harness that, pot, that energy into something productive. And I think that would the tournament to me is the best solution there. See, it's it, it sounds to me like you almost want to put on like an and one tour. Do you guys ever remember the and yes. one tour? Yes, yes, for basketball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they would go around find the best street ballers, and they would form a traveling team. And if a, if someone showed up at one of their stops and was like awesome, they picked him up, and he was now an and one baller. So yep. essentially you could do that because, you know, geolocation breakdowns are, are really tough in League of Legends. One of the reasons you don't see a lot of guys, say, from like Georgia, New York, Carolina, Boston, popping up and being great lol stars is, you know, distance to the server makes playing at a yeah, high level. server lag, exactly. Much, much harder. Well, you suddenly take these guys and <laughs> you take someone who's used to 40 ping and then go throw them in a place where he now has to play at 100 you're going to see a lot of people now start popping up to you. It's like, this guy's got some talent. If he didn't have to play 0.06 seconds, seconds. You know, slower than everybody else, he could really be someone. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't that's, know. I, that's I, the way I would harness it. I think, I think there's a big, there's something to be said about finding players. Uh, I think, I think honestly, League of Legends pulls in, the best way to find players that we've seen in a long time uh, in terms of the way their their ranking system works and everything like that and the way the challenger system and the master system kind of works now as it functions. Um, just personally speaking, I think it's difficult the way Cable's saying to sort of form a team that way. Uh, just a personal experience of just like there's so many factors involved with getting a team of players together. Like I've I've done it before with StarCraft players. It's easy with StarCraft players. You just get a whole bunch of people that are like you just get talented sure. people. There you go. We're, sure. Cool. They get don't them have together. to work together. Yeah, and then you can go ahead like play scrims. Cool. They can they can play against each other. Get better. That's great. Fine. Um, but with League of Legends, there's so much in terms of gameplay style. Um, you know, the their mentality, their demeanor, their personality. There's so much going on and just. You don't know how they're going to perform as well until until you get them in particular situations. If someone gets caught out, is is this team going to yell at that person? Who's going to flame who? Are they going to deal with it okay? Like, is this what what is the mentality? What is the core mental aspect of this team? And are, do they work? Um, and that's I not mean, even talking about the strategical aspect of it. Right. Yeah, and I mean we're we're not even scratching the surface of the vast infrastructure disparity. Sure, you have between a homegrown. Uh, challenger team and say you know an organization making a challenger team so right. uh, a pre-made organization coming in saying we're going to make a challenger team is we have the money we'll build the coaching staff we'll get players into a house they're going to be practicing 12 14 hours a day going up against this you know 
team of friends or online group of studs that came together and formed a team, you stick those two against each other, the organization's going to win. You know, 80% of the time, that org is going to be better. Not necessarily because the players are better, but because their ability to practice, work as a team, right. it's all aided by having everything else about life taken away. Right. Whereas <laughs> these other five people... They might be great players, and you know what? On down the road, they might be the better team. But unfortunately, they still have to deal with life. And life actively makes you worse at League of Legends. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, good way to put it. True. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't think there's a way that Reddit can really, you know, provide infrastructure in a solid manner where they're going to give these guys a chance to really contend. It, it'd be nice to showcase people. I think it's great to find ways to showcase talent, which is completely right. Because, you know, unless you have somebody that's going to put your name in with a with a Cloud9 CLG TSM, the road to getting a pro is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, and showcases, just chances to really show who you are can be make or break points. One of the guys I like to point to with this is the NACC last year out of Washington's team. Uh, God, I don't even know what he's calling himself anymore. Is the Zed uh, guy? Then, I, Kenny, you. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so he, he bounced around the challenger scene a lot, but it was really you know, mixed with the fact that he was like, you know, top three in solo queue for probably three, four straight months. Uh he also got a lot of uh, screen time with the NACC, something to just let people see who he was. Uh, another person that kind of benefited from the college scene a while back ago uh, was UC Irvine's V-Time. Now, also V-Time, yeah. if anyone remembers back that far, solo queue, just God. Um, V-Time's 80 carry. He is the one player I was, I'm still sad to this day, that decided never to go on a pro team. That guy was a monster. I think, yeah, and he had a chance. He was actually the person that uh, that now Cloud9 wanted before Sneaky. So after Turtle left, their yeah. first call was to V-Tine. V-Tine yep. turned them down because he wanted to graduate, get on with life. And Sneaky took in. But there's a chance right now that we could all be cheering for V-Tine in the LCS. Mm. Yeah, and he would be great. It's the Back same to the thing battery. too. If you hear, if you if you watch any Korean solo queue, or if you've talked to anyone that watches or follows the Korean scene, challenger scene very very closely, there is one. I his name is like devoid of me right now. Dylan, maybe you can help me out. But there's is this the booster kid? I'm not entirely sure. What do you mean the booster kid? The the kid who who's like very blatant about his boosting, but he's super good and he. I'm not entirely sure. I've never heard any rumors about his boosting, but there's like everyone's talked about him that he's like single handedly bodying Faker on in like Apto? solo queue. Yes, Apto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Dude, that guy is crazy, dude. If you hear anyone talk about like if you talk to Korean pros, a lot of Korean pros, and you ask them like who the best mid laner is, they'll say that they they. That's why Koreans specifically ask, like, who's the best Korean mid laner in the LCK? Because they, if they, yeah. if, if you ask any of them, like, who the best mid laner is, most of them will say Apto. This this article, you should post it in the comments or 
in the description or whatever for people to read of this. But it's very, very long, but very thorough in its uh, description of Apto. Paints a picture of a regular, like, badass, man. This guy <laughs> is... He does not care what Riot thinks. He does not care what Kespa thinks. Yeah. He doesn't care what anybody thinks. And, man... It's it's kind of awesome to read this article. He's had so many accounts banned and oh, yeah. he blatantly says I'm boosting and it's <laughs> but every, all the pros know that this kid is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Yeah, um but yeah. once again, does does that ego mean he'd ever be good on a team? No, not know? necessarily. No. Agreed. Yeah. But but if we're talking about solo queue gods here, that's that's oh, where yeah, it starts. Yeah. But I will say too, I had the same feeling about uh, Zion when Zion first came in, and he was playing like he was playing the Riven. He was playing like when he would only play Riven. Yeah. Uh, like Zion was a monster back then, dude. And and I thought Zion was be would be great, but he's never really moved past that solo queue mentality when even in his pro play. He's got a lot better last split with CLG, but I mean he's never really gotten past that uh, mm -hmm. that overall mentality. But uh, yeah, I think. Going back to the main topic here, I think I like the idea of a tournament. Uh, I don't think I don't like the idea of them using it to found a funded team. But dude, I would watch. I would watch the hell out of a like a if they did a Saturday night King of the Hill for tournament, where they just have King of the Hill as long as you can go for League of Legends. Like that'd be so much fun to watch. Uh, I would watch that every week. Get on that, right? Yeah, I yeah I would. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'll get on this or our, our little team here will get on this. We'll make it happen. Yeah, dude. Like, what, <laughs> I mean, wouldn't my, you watch that? Man? Was, my favorite was Charity Fives. I actually thought that was great. Get the streamers to all come together and do. Yeah, uh, that was not a bad. No, that do, was not a bad uh, idea either. Yeah, Team Fives raise money for charity. I thought that was great. Sure. That's something I think Twitch should get behind. I was I was up that the the night that post was. The reason that post came up to sort of the idea came up was that night I was up at like five or six in the morning and I was watching I'm a Pie stream and he was doing with Aphromoo and he eventually ran, they ran into Dyrus and then they ran into Alex Itch and they all kept trying to queue together and it was just like, screw it, let's just grab Santorin and we'll play ranked fives. And so all like all the five of them started playing ranked fives and then they eventually got Poe Belter to be their coach. And so this, it was hilarious. It was all on stream. It's you awesome. Can, you can go back and yeah. watch it. It's great. Uh, they played from when I, they started at around like when I remember four or five in the morning, and then they stopped at around uh, nine or ten a.m. If I remember correctly, and it was just tons of fun to watch. I watched the entire thing. Uh, it was great. It was it was super fun to watch. And <laughs> like yeah, that'd be that'd be great to to go ahead and see. But I I think I would watch the uh, the King of the Hill. I think that's so much fun to watch. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. So we're going. We're we're gonna go ahead and move on to the last topic really quick, though. Well, two two closing comments. So go, the first one go. is, it makes me, it really makes me think of that movie, um, Invincible, uh, Vince Papali for yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. for the Eagles, right? Sure. That's the kind of stuff that I love, and I think that people love that stuff. Sure. They the, the underdog story, the guy the guy from nowhere who had no formal training, who just you know made his way through, and and that's the kind of thing that this would appeal to. I also see a very funny Reddit parody movie in the dodgeball style of this team <laughs> being made, and it could it could feature the popular stars, it could feature the popular players. But if you know if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. And putting together the Reddit team, it'd be pretty hilarious, dude. And to to be 
spoiler, I, I've wanted for years. I've tried to get teams of, of artists and cartoonists and everything to put together an esports anime, and I've never gotten a good enough story to do it. This might be the story to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, folks. We're going to go ahead and do this. Um, Ideas abound. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, moving on really quick, guys. The last topic we're going to go and Kevin cover today. Uh, so, we have CEO uh, to 2015. It's a fighting game tournament in Florida. Uh, CEO is a real popular one. So I think it's its sixth year, if I remember correctly, uh, and and they run mainly Smash Brothers, and so it's going to take place June 26th to the 28th. Uh, the that's not the reason why we're bringing it up, though. The reason why we're bringing it up is uh, so Zero is the best Smash Brothers for Wii U player out uh, out in the world right now. Really, really dominant. Uh, and there's champion. Yeah, and just dominant, not not even close. And so there's people put. I think. We're at $500 bounty to go ahead and knock him out of this tournament. Uh, crowdfunded on Smashboards, and then also I think someone matched it as well. Uh, and CEO is even promoting this. I mean, how do we feel about bounties in a tournament format? I love it. <laughs> I, I think it's amazing. Uh, That's I mean, all I'm going to say. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's solid publicity. And I mean, I'm sure... They reached out to Zero beforehand. They're like, "Hey, this is not this is not saying that we don't like you. This is something we just want to, you know, raise the the attention level here." Uh, but I mean, truthfully, Smash uh, for the Wii U needs someone to beat Zero at this sure. point. Sure, uh, it's getting at the and I mean, this might be the fact that the Diddy nerf may actually hit him hard enough. Yeah, that somebody's closer now. Sure, uh, and maybe the zero suit stuff. Uh, he'll switch more to zero suit, which hasn't been as strong on. Yeah, so I mean, he was amazing with Diddy. Let's sure. like th there was no one coming close to him while he had Diddy. Now that Diddy's nerfed a little bit, let's let's see how it plays out leading up to this. I I got to admit, I haven't been super uh, on it about watching how the tournaments have been, but he's been so dominant that he said he's going to go to the Leffen route, which yeah. is if he wins. Uh, evo this year and you know it's just undisputed that he'll then move to melee or yeah melee well for some reason all well, melee get mixed up in my head the uh the the thing is with this in particular i'm sort of split i'm with cable that i think it's awesome i think from a community standpoint this is great and coming from the smash brothers community this isn't out of the ordinary right this is yeah. the same this is the same community that has salty sweets okay um and so the only thing that I really have a problem with is the tournament going ahead and, and promoting it. Uh, I understand it's good promotion for the tournament. Just my thing is, it's it's not going to be hey who won the smash who who won the smash for Wii U tournament. It's going to be like, hey who knocked out zero. Uh, that's going to be the question that that's or really going to pop. Did it. Someone knock yeah, out or zero. did someone knock out zero? Right. And so like that's that's a, I understand how dominant he is, and I understand that's a big focus. But I I just I for me I don't think that that's something that a uh, a tournament should be promoting. I think that's more of leave it up to the community to go ahead and push that. Uh, I think it adds a second level of hype. You're always going to have the hype for who wins. Oh, you're always going to have the publicity for that. But to add a second level, I I don't think that's a negative thing. But but is and it? I mean, imagine imagine this is the tale of zero. <laughs> of, he's now accruing this bounty and like. Each tournament, it's just slowly growing and growing. Sure. And then he gets an Evo, and his bounty's like two thousand dollars. It's above the Evo. It's above the Evo pool. Yeah, it's above <laughs> the Evo prize. Just beating zero, it's above the Evo prize. 
So then when he wins, he's championed against everyone else who went against him in great odds. And, you know, this is actually really funny. We're talking about, you know, $500, which when we talk about other esports, we're like, $500 prize? Good Lord, like my local land gives out more. Yeah. For Smash, (laughs) this is... Smash is a good... That's a big deal. It's a big deal. And this is one of the things. Zero is so dominant, almost out of necessity. If Zero didn't win almost every tournament he went to, there wouldn't be enough money for him to do this as a full-time career. Right. Uh, People that play Smash professionally and haven't had the luxury of getting on with a team, like we've seen a good number of the top players uh, get on with teams like TSM's, the Cloud9's. Which one's Mewtwo King on? Uh, Mewtwo King is on... uh, He's not on CT anymore, is he? I don't think I so. Forget. Uh, let me look it up. Keep talking. Yeah, yeah. So we, we've seen, you know, some of these melee guys get onto teams, uh, but there there are people that are hesitant about picking up a Wii U player because MVG, Wii by the way. What? MVG. MVG. Okay. I either way, uh, it, it's hard for a Wii U player to get signed to a team. So he's going to, if he does, you know, finish out this year uh, undefeated goes through Evo wins and moves on to melee. That's actually a huge risk to him as well. Uh, the fact that he's going to say, well, you know, I'm going to take this, you know, stable life I've made and hopefully make a name for myself in the next game and have the success that Leffens had. Cause Leffens had, you know, some pretty solid success for someone coming into the scene from a different, uh, edition sure. of the game. So if he goes down that route, finds success and really does well, you know, all props to him. I think that what this bounty needs to have attached to it is the fact that if no one collects it, that it moves needs on to go to zero. Oh, okay. That it I like that. Build, it needs to build towards Evo, and if, if he wins Evo, Evo it just goes. Yeah, it I like just that. Goes I like that, that idea. Way, that way, for him, there's an incentive. Like, if we're going to give people who are playing against him a bonus, give him a bonus for having to deal with it. Yeah. I'll take that. I think that's a great idea. And actually, the thing that I want to bring up, too, is when we're talking about career, Smash as a career option, uh, Zero recently posted, made a Reddit post where he answered some questions and talked about it in length um, about about Smash being a career path and, and how it's not actually possible to do that. And that, I think he mentioned that there's less than 10 people uh, that are living off of Smash careers personally. I yeah. think the only two he mentioned were uh, Mango and Armada as the only two that can possibly do that. Uh, and that's with the salaries that they have with uh, Alliance and, and C9 as well as their Twitch. So Yeah, and let's, it's a very poor Twitch crowd right now for Smash. Yeah, uh, There's not really any big name streamer there. That's one of the things that I thought was actually going to help Wii U in this field. Like, when Wii U got announced and they did the whole tournament at E3, I'm like, oh man, this is Nintendo turning ship around. Yeah. This is this is finally going to live up to everything that it, it should be. And mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, it was a giant farce. Um, but I, I still expected streaming to catch up with them. But I, think, I think the biggest thing with the Smash community that we're seeing sort of as a negative thing is the Smash community is almost... I would say 90 to 95% based on hype. Like, if you don't have hype at a Smash tournament, you're not getting viewers. Yeah. 
Um, and and that's something that you really don't see with like like League of Legends fans, StarCraft Two fans. We'll watch boring matches, man. I watched a four hour. I watched like a three hour StarCraft match. Like, dude, that that's long, man. You're sitting there the whole time. You're bored. There's no hype there. But yeah. like, but but Smash needs hype. They need hype. Yeah. To well, to get up need, there. They need consistency. They need someone that's going to say, "Hey guys, I'm streaming five to nine tonight. I will be streaming this every single day this week." Yeah. They a lot of the things that made League of Legends streamers popular was the fact that they started with great consistency, that they built an audience, they built this rapport with their audience, that their fans, you know, got to know their life. And until, you know, Smash players say, hey, this is my life, this is my profession, I'm going to share this with the world in hopes that, you know, people attach to me, that I build my audience, build my brand, uh, it's not going to get better. And unfortunately for them, they also have to deal with Nintendo's whole streaming video process, which is so depressing. It's it's quite a ordeal. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I need to temper myself because I, I just made a whole bunch of points without, you know, pop, properly reflecting on what a heel Nintendo is to actually streaming their content. Uh, but until they, they find a way to work around that, uh, it's it's going to be hard for them to really have the same level of uh, career success sure. as other games. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but oh, I mean, I think overall, it, so what, do we like the bounty? Do we like the bounty overall? I love it. I'm for it. <laughs> Let's do it more. Yeah. Let's do it. I think it's great. I think it's great, but I, I really, I really love Dylan's idea that it carries over till Evo. And if he wins Evo, he gets it all. Yeah. yeah. I love I mean, that idea. Give the kid his credit. If, if he's going to last the amount of cheese that's about to be thrown at him... Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I'm in that Evo pool. If I if he's in my pool, I will cheese the hell out of him. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is what you're going to have, because the the, the great thing about Smash Tournaments is a lot of people get to play, yeah. but his first-round opponent's going to be like, oh, dude... It's going to be me! Zero. <laughs> what, what's the thing I can throw at him to just, you know... Be annoying. Get my fifty-fifty shot here. This like any given Sunday moment, and it, it's going to be hard. He's going to have a much harder road now. Yeah. Uh, than say pre. Uh, pre bounty. Pre bounty. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd be sad if it degrades the scene too. If it degrades like the match quality that we're getting. Uh, but. I mean, let, let's put it this way. How how much do you actually expect some like unknown to take no. a game off of zero? It, no, it's but it's pretty slim to none, even with cheese. Yeah, but I mean, I I, th I was thinking more of the fact that it would hurt Zero's kind of mentality to always be watching for the cheese when he starts to play good people. Okay, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you, you build up bad habits with bad practice. Yeah, that's what I mean. Eh, I mean, it's like again going back to StarCraft. It's like if you can't if you can't play against cheese, if you haven't <laughs> learned how to play against cheese at the top level, you don't belong at the top level. Sure. Cheese is a legitimate strategy, and we see it in. The, the most advanced levels of tournaments. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think it can only serve to develop a community strategy to let's see what the crap we can come up with in order to take this guy down. Cool. Okay. It's interesting. But I mean, I, I look at it from the point of view of like, if I'm playing baseball and I play at a level where I need to be able to read a 95 mile an hour fastball, and suddenly I'm facing a guy who's only going to throw me a 65 mile an hour curveball. It's going to set my internal clock off. And if I have to go switch between playing these guys constantly, 
it's it's very disruptive. It's going to set off your bio clock. Like a lot of people don't realize that in video games you have a biometric rhythm. Sure. That Absolutely. is built by how you play. And if people are intentionally just doing things to mess up your biometric rhythm, you're not playing at top uh at top performance. Yeah. So I agree with that. This could, this could actively like destroy him if <laughs> if he's not careful and learns how to control himself. Sure. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting to it's it's kind of the thing going back to like when people were talking about golf with with Tiger Woods when Tiger Woods was at the top of his game, where it's like, are you taking Tiger? Or are you taking the field? Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, that was like that was, that's an oh, actual Vegas God. bet. That's a Vegas bet, man. When you're taking people would take Tiger Tiger Woods over the entire rest of the field at to- of golf tournaments. Like that's ridiculous. God, we're that going is absolutely back, ridiculous. Y'all. But we're hitting we're hitting that point with zero. It, yeah. We're at that point with zero. We're at that point with zero. Um, it's like it's like Mango. Like if 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 you're if you're at a tournament and Mango's there and there's no Armada, you're pretty much picking Mango. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Box can Box can pull it out from time to time. Hey man, Box's soul was broken at MLG. If you're yeah. if you're at MLG Anaheim and you watch that crew battle, Box's soul was broken there. Um, yeah, I there's some stories from MLG that. Yeah, we won't touch on that. But all right, guys, <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and we'll close this out. Uh, what are we watching this weekend? Events going up? Anyone want to go first? Um, I am actively going to watch for the first uh, pro Gwent tournaments to start popping up. Uh, I've I've absorbed my soul into playing Witcher Three, and I find it hysterical <laughs> that almost every piece of conversation around the game right now is based around the card game inside of the game. Yeah, it's so awesome. I've, I've, I'm just waiting to see, like, Gwent become a thing. I just think that's going to happen. Sure. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. Like, that, that game is tons of fun. I played. I put a ton of time in The Witcher 2, and it, it, or The Witcher 3, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty fun, dude. I've... I plugged in 60 hours over Memorial Day weekend, Ooh. and I don't even know if I'm close to finishing. You're not. Wow. Depending on dude. how far you've gone on the story, the story quest, you're not. Because I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm about 80 hours in, and, uh... I've done about half of the story quests. So Yeah, I I've I've tried to clear the map of like question marks. Oh yeah, no, you you're never gonna do that. Oh god, it it's rough. It's yeah. rough. But my Gwent deck, it is fierce. <laughs> <laughs> do not do not mess around with my Gwent deck. I've got, you know, my Yennefer in there. Such a good card. It's such a good card. Uh Cable, what uh, what are you watching, buddy? Um more of the WCS group. I think there's one more group for North America WCS, and then the third. That's that's next week though. That's the round of sixteen. Sure. Um, besides that, you tell me what what should I be watching this weekend? Well, we do have. Uh, well, tonight there's Koo Tigers versus the Samsung. They're not Galaxy. They're just Samsung organization. The Samsung Group of Potential. Yeah, uh, and the LCK. Uh, you also have the LPL and the LMS going on, uh, and then you have LC. Uh, you have North American and uh, European LCS this weekend for the first week as well. So get uh, your fantasy lineups ready, kids. Oh yeah. yeah! Make sure you have all that stuff ready to go. Chris, um, have you set up the fantasy team yet, man? Uh, we might have a draft if tonight. Say, if you say yes, then I'm gonna feel very sad because I didn't get included. We might have a draft tonight <laughs> if you want a spot, Cable. All right, um, please. I'll, I'll I'll send you an invite after this. And also, guys, uh, just a quick note: 
so the new Destiny expansion came out as well, uh, House of Wolves. Oh, yeah. And so there's a there's a new mode called Trials of Osiris. Or not Trials of... Uh, is it Trials of Osiris? Trials of Osiris. Yes, okay. So, tra- yeah, it's, it's Trials yeah. of Osiris. And so basically what it is, it's a three-on-three uh, match type. Uh, and you can res you can res your teammates as much as possible, so it's as as quickly as you can get all three men down. Uh, and it's over the course of you get three. Lo- it's it, think of it like an arena run of of Hearthstone. So you, it's up to nine wins or three losses first, whichever one comes first. And uh, and yeah, you just go through the game, and, and it, there's a lot of strategy and depth to it. And it's it's I played it last weekend, which is which was tons of fun. Uh, and this weekend, I'm gonna go ahead and watch some streamers and, and see what's going on. The cool thing is that it's only run on weekends, so uh, a lot of teams are just kind of running, uh, like a lot of uh, pro teams and pro like Destiny clans are running a lot of strategies throughout the week to sort of practice up for the weekend um, and see what they can get through it. So when you see two top teams run into each other on that on that ladder board, it looks really cool. Uh, tons of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. So so go ahead Do and watch that, that. I would love to see. Uh, and maybe we can talk about this in another show. I would love to see some kind of esports decathlon. Oh, where... dude! So like the WCG Ultimate Gamer? Yeah. Well, did you yes, ever watch but... that show? <laughs> no, I didn't watch the show. <laughs> but but more on an actual competitive, not like a reality show kind of thing. <laughs> hey, man, that was competitive. They played games in that show. Dude, what about <laughs> the Nintendo World Championship this year? Yeah, I'm like excited for that. Of Nintendo games. Yeah, but they're going to be playing NEX Remix, which is cool. You can go ahead and practice at home, folks. You can practice that at home. Yeah, uh, so you can uh, beat on Reggie. Yeah, his body is not ready for you. He's not ready. <laughs> we, we learned from that video that Reggie's body, not ready, folks. No, but he did get his job back from, I forget what the kid's name is. Uh, it's drawn a blank. Oh, well, whatever. Yeah, I, I don't... I, as long as they're a better representation than what Pixel's going to be. Oh, that that movie's going to be horrible. Uh, it's we'll... Paul Bart Mall Cop with like '80s programmers. It, it's Adam just... Adam Sandler. Oh is yeah, not, yeah, yeah. Is not a it's not a reputable movie star anymore. I don't think he ever was. But okay, uh, we'll go ahead and we'll close it out. All right, guys. So go ahead, check us in next week. Not sure what day we'll be posting it up on, but we'll go ahead and tweet it out to you. Uh, but thanks for watching. Have a very good night.